Don't just long that God take away the circumstance. Long that through the circumstance, your worship ignites. That's hope as he does something amazing and healing in your life. Well, good morning. It is great to be continuing in our summer series of hope uh, that heals. And uh, this week we're going to be looking at the misguided. I came across an interesting uh, article this week, and I know there's just been a lot of information uh, that is going around these days. I mean, I, I, is it just me, or are you watching the news a lot? And with all of the, the pandemic and the COVID things, and there's treatments and ideas for things there, and, and, and vaccinations and prevention, and just so many things that uh, are going around and we're always trying to keep up because it seems like sometimes things are changing rather quickly as, as well. And so I, I, but I came across an interesting article uh, this week, and it was entitled, Crazy Things That People Used to Think Were Healthy. Okay, you ready? Crazy Things That People Used to Think Were Healthy. I picked a few of them out that I thought were especially interesting and just thought I would mention it. Uh, first was uh, uh, heroin cough syrup. No lie, the bear you know, Bear Aspirin, Bear Laboratories, in 1898 came out with heroin cough syrup. Probably was effective <laughs> in stopping the cough. Uh, it lasted in popularity for a little while by, uh, and then uh, it kind of tapered off. By 1924, the United States outlawed it uh, as well, but uh, probably not a good plan. Uh, another one that uh, has been around for many, many uh, centuries there was bloodletting. You know, bloodletting where they would uh, take when you would have uh, a medical procedure to, allevi to alleviate uh, people with a number of ailments. Here's what it said, including pneumonia, fever, back pain, rheumatism, headaches, melancholy, and more. So if you have a headache, you could, they would either cut or my favorite, use leeches to get you bleeding to alleviate those things because they thought that would help. Uh, tobacco. Tobacco was used not just for smoking pleasure, but for everything from a disinfectant to relieve headaches, colds, ward off disease and fatigue, and even as an antis... Uh, 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 I'm going to say the word wrong. I'm not even going to say it then. Never mind. <laughs> they actually, when the tobacco plant was brought back to uh, England, it was known as the holy herb or also known as God's remedy. Obviously, the Surgeon General wasn't around at that point. Uh, another one was tapeworms. The tapeworms, uh, people started infecting themselves with tapeworms in order to lose weight the good old uh, tapeworm weight loss program. Uh, the idea was that the tapeworms are parasites and they would feed off the food that you eat. That means that your calories would be split between you and the tapeworm. Again, that may be effective in that, but it created a whole new set of problems and side effects that went along with that. And then one of my favorites here was, was uh, cocaine that was uh, no notorious for being included in soft drink Coca-Cola, I don't know if you knew that originally when Coca-Cola came out, had cocaine in it, and it was also in all sorts of medicines and drugs, 
its euphoric, energizing, and pain-relieving effects made it the perfect addition for your healthy lifestyle when you were lacking a little pep. That actually came from a poster uh, there promoting it. And uh, can we just all agree that they were misguided? Everybody say misguided. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of times when things come and, and you realize and head down a path and then over time and science actually starts to win out and we see uh, many things in the past of misguided. Paul also talks about something kind of similar being misguided. And if you got your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. And I'd like to jump in the first few verses of Galatians chapter 5 and walk through this passage uh, that we're going to uh, see uh, some that were misguided. And, and Paul's addressing that here. And, and I think it applies not only to them, but also to us today. And if you're taking notes, uh, point number one, accept the, the Jesus-only plan. Accept the Jesus-only plan. Verse 1 of chapter 5 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to the yoke of slavery. So, so Paul here jumps, starts off here with the words, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And, and what we see is here, it's really, it's a continuation of thought from the previous chapter in, in chapter 4 and even touching back a little bit here in some of the things in chapter 2. And, and so he's continuing this thought and, and this idea of being free and, and, and being bound by the bondage of, the, of being under the law. And then the freedom that we have in Christ, and he even used the example there of, uh, of Sarah and uh, Hagar there, uh, Abraham's wife and, and handmaiden and, and the, the mess that they had gotten in in the Old Testament and, and the descendants there as well, and kind of had mentioned those things. And, and so he's kind of summing up that coming off of chapter 4 by saying, for freedom Christ has set us free. Uh, literally, for, for the sake of freedom, Christ has made us free. He says, so stand firm, therefore. And when we see therefore, what do we say? What's the therefore, therefore? Yeah. It's therefore, do not submit to the yoke of slavery. He says, look, you're, you're free. We're no longer under the bondage of the law and the constraints of the law and trying to work and do all those things to measure up. We are now free. Christ has set us free, so stand firm. Plant those feet. Be solid in that position that you're in right now. And whatever you do, don't go back into that bondage. Don't submit again to the, to the yoke of slavery. And the word there, don't submit, really gives the idea that, that you have the choice of whether you're going to put that yoke. And remember the yoke was, was that, uh, that beam that would put across two oxen that were pulling the load and it would then kind of constrain them and keep them focused in that direction. He's saying, look, that, that's the, that, that constraint of the law that you've been set free. Don't go back to it. Don't go back to that. Verse 2, he says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. He says, look, literally pay attention. Interestingly, it's the same word that, that we get sometimes translated behold. Behold. 
check this out. Wait a minute. Take a look at this, Paul says. He says, I'm telling you that if, if you demand the, the Jewish rituals, in this case, he's referring to circumcision and, and, and all of the Jewish males were to be circumcised. It was really, it was kind of the, the, the mark, their identity as, as, a, as a child of God, as God's chosen people. And a part of the law, it was an integral part of, of that symbol there, that, that ritual that would take place of circumcision. And, and he says, look, if, if you um, accept that premise where you have to be circumcised, then Christ is, is of no advantage to you. Then, then the work of Christ, the death of Christ, the, the Jesus alone for salvation is now of no use to you. And so he said, be careful of those. If you accept those rituals, he goes on and gives some more explanation. He says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. He says, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm testifying, I'm swearing as under oath here to you that, that if, if you accept these rituals, and, and if you say now, if a person comes to Christ and, and now has to do these other things of the law here, in this case circumcision, that, that you are now under the law or that you are obligated to keep the whole law. And so he's saying, look, this is something, and this was something that we see in the book of Acts, that what was happening is that you had these Jews that had come to Christ, and in Acts 15, verses 1 and 5, it speaks very clearly to that. There were some that even were out of, that had been Pharisees, and they'd come to Christ, and then, and then all these Gentiles, these non-Jews were coming to Christ as well. And the Jewish believers, some of them, and some of them, especially that had been Pharisees, were going and saying, look, this is something that was a part of all our mark and identity as, as children of God. And so when they came to Christ, they said, look, these Gentiles that come to Christ, they should get circumcised too. They, they should also get circumcised as a part of, of coming to Christ. And we see that it was addressed in Acts 15, and, 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 and they just said, no, that you don't need to do that. But, uh, and it wasn't that Paul was against circumcision. He was a Jew and, and circumcised. Not only that, he, uh, he had his, uh, his apprentice Timothy when he was uh, establishing Timothy in the ministry. Uh, Timothy was, was actually half Jew and, and, and half Roman uh, Gentile there with his parents and and he actually had Timothy get circumcised so that it would increase his effectiveness in ministry and as as he came across and was ministering to Jews and Gentiles alike and so it wasn't anything about being circumcised in and of itself there was nothing wrong with the ritual in and of itself but it was it was when saying that you had to do this and trust Christ verse 4 he says uh, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. He says, if you accept this, you are separated from Christ. You are cut off in essence. Uh, that, that, that you would be now saved by the law and not under grace anymore. 
He said, look, if you take part of the law, the end of verse 3, then you have to take all of the law. Everybody say impossible. Right? It was impossible to keep the whole law, wasn't it? It was impossible to keep the whole law. He's saying, look, if we demand these things for believers, these, these rituals that, to accompany here as a part of salvation, he says, you must keep the law and, everybody say and, and trust Christ for salvation. He said, if, if you're following these things, then you would now be justified by the law, which was impossible, that, that, that being justified, uh, being justified, it's, a, it's actually a legal term, a theological term, and, and a legal term, it literally means to be declared righteous before a holy God. At the point of salvation, we are declared justified. In essence, it would be a not guilty ver- verdict. Declared righteous, to be right, just, or literally without sin is what's taking place. No longer does God see us and our sin and our sin that separates us from a holy God, but he now sees what Jesus Christ did, his blood that he paid who was sinless and paid the penalty for our sin without the shedding of blood. There's no remission or payment for sin. Remember that, that verse? And so there had to be that payment of, and Jesus paid the penalty. And that's how we can be declared righteous and that is what is offered to us through Christ's death and resurrection and that is that gift that we didn't deserve also known as grace and that's what he's saying here if you deny if you start including these things then you're no longer accepting grace You've fallen away from the grace, this gift that Jesus is offering you, and now you're back to the just trying to work it on your own, trying to do the things, whether it be circumcision or this ritual or that aspect of the law, and if you can't just cherry pick and pick and choose which parts of the law you're going to follow because it also, if you take some of the law, you've got to take all of the law, and now it's impossible. Only through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that's the gift that 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 he gives us in salvation that's grace the unmerited favor that jesus gives us you know the the opposite of uh of grace of living by grace is is legalism 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 is is when we start uh, when we're trying to secure righteousness through good works so definition of legalism to secure righteousness through good works and 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 sometimes we we struggle with this whole uh, issue of legalism don't we and here you go here's here's four four ways to be a good legalist four ways to be a good legalist and i'm saying this sarcastically okay four ways to be a good legalist number one follow the rules and become more spiritual Follow the rules and become more spiritual or a more righteous person. And the more rules, the more righteous. So hey, if we can add to that, then great. Follow the rules and become more righteous. Uh, number two, believe that you have the strength to obey and improve yourself. 
you work hard enough, you can muscle it yourself. You've got the strength to follow those rules. Number three, one of my favorites here, is to compare yourself to others. I mean, you're making progress. Others will see it. Others will tell you, and hey, look around. (laughs) At least I'm better than that guy, right? Start comparing yourself to others. Number four, seek to help others become more like you. Seek to help others become more like you because let's be honest, God is lucky to have you. So some of these things, we wouldn't necessarily say those out loud, I would hope. But yet sometimes those may be some of the thoughts that are going through our mind. Have you ever thought to yourself in the quietness of a moment that God won't love me unless I obey him? You ever thought that? You ever thought that God won't love me unless I do these things or obey him in these ways? And if I don't, then God doesn't love me anymore. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't obey the principles that God has laid out in Scripture. Of course we need to obey But we're doing it out of love and out of thanksgiving and a desire to please him and bring glory to him because of all that he's done for us. And by the way, because it is in our benefit to do that. You know, it's subtle sometimes, isn't it? It's subtle. It kind of has reminded me sometimes that it could be a little bit, even the way my relationship with my wife. And... uh, you know, as we've been married for coming up on 30 years here, and, and uh, you know, in our relationship and the, 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 the loving and caring for each other, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm one of those weird ones that uh, um, I, I actually uh, ask my wife to give me lists of things to do. I'm a list guy, so that's, that's part of my problem, I know, but... But, you know, it's subtle because I can do things for my wife. I can, I can buy her gifts and, and try to treat her really well and do all of these chores and these things to help her out, to accomplish her. And, and maybe if I do enough, she'll love me. Maybe that's one approach. Or I can, I can do nice things for my wife and, and show her love in, in many ways and try to help out and do these things around the house because I love my wife. And and sometimes it's subtle because the actions may be very similar and look very similar on the outside, but the motivation of why we're doing it can, can change drastically. And so how do you know the difference? Well, um, here's some questions to ask. Do you feel... Do I feel that she owes me when I do something nice for her? Do, do I feel guilty if I don't do something for my wife that, that she wanted me to do? Am I afraid of rejection if I don't do something? Do, do I need to remind her or maybe need to remind others of, of, of what I do 
for my wife? Or how about this one? Am I upset when I do something and she doesn't say anything about it? Might be a good indication that I was doing it for the wrong reasons, right? Now take those same questions and apply it towards your worship of God. Go back through. Do I feel like God owes me because of what I do for him? Do I feel guilty if I'm not following God and afraid of, the, of am I afraid of rejection if I'm not following God? Do I need to remind God or remind others of the things that I've done? Remember, God, I did this, I did this, I did this. Do I feel upset when I don't feel like I'm, God's even acknowledging the things that I'm doing? So where might you be trying to, to work, um, maybe work your way to God? Maybe, um, maybe you've been playing that comparison game and saying, you know what, I mean, I know I got my problems, but I start looking, I'm better than they are, so I'm probably okay. Am I trying to... to uh, Am I trying to do things to measure up or, or to get saved? Point number two here. Eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness in Jesus alone. Eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness in Jesus alone. We continue in verse five. It says, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, by faith, by trusting in Christ, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. We patiently, eagerly, excitedly anticipate the, the coming of the hope of righteousness. So what's that talk about, the hope of righteousness? When, when we come to, to, to Christ, I mentioned it just a minute ago, we are declared righteous, we're justified. We're declared righteous. We are legally without sin now in God's eyes because of Christ's death and payment for our sin. So God doesn't see our sin. Um, he sees Jesus' perfection uh, because that payment has been made. But we still sin, right? We still are in this battle. We still have a sin nature. We are still inclined towards sin and we still sin in that process. And we look forward to the day that is to come in eternity when we will be, be finally reunited with him face to face in glory. We will get a, a renewed, a, a resurrected body and we will sin no more. Everybody say no more sin. No more sin. It's coming. So we're positionally declared sinless right now, yet we still struggle with, but eventually we won't even have to worry about that. We're free from the bondage of sin now, but we will be completely without sin in the future. And so we look forward to that day when that will come. And so there's, there's really kind of three comparisons here we see in this verse. The first, by, by, whether living by the Spirit or living by the flesh, 
Later in this chapter, he's going to continue with that. Through the Holy Spirit, by faith, living by faith, or are we living by works? Or are we living patiently and eagerly, hoping for what, what is to come, or anxious or fearful of the bondage of the law? Verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcised, uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith through faith working through love. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, whether you were circumcised or not circumcised as a Jewish believer, once you come to Christ, it, it counts for nothing. What only counts is faith working through love. Only counts as faith, trust in Jesus Christ through love. God loved us so much he paid for our sins and then we respond by loving him and loving others as we see. Then verse seven, he kind of transitions a little bit off of that. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He says, you were going along. You were running the race well. You were competing well in this race. Who is it that, that interfered in your lane? You were understanding what grace was about and faith in Jesus Christ, but someone has come in and started introducing these other and has interfered with your, with your race, the walk with Christ here. What, what are the, what, who's interfering with this? What are the voices that you are now listening to? Verse 8, he says, uh, uh, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. He says, the voices that you're, you're listening to, the influences, the opinions of these people are not from the one who calls you or draws you. It's not from God. He's saying that this idea that you have to put something with faith in Jesus Christ to be saved, that's not from God. And then he says, a, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A, a little leaven, a little yeast in the, the lump of dough, boy, it doesn't take hardly but just a little bit of that and it just starts to slowly, little by little, permeate and take over the, the whole loaf there. And, and the idea here is just a little bit of falsehood, a little bit of sin. Levin a lot of times talk about sin. In this case, I think it's even a little more specific in that falsehood and these, the, these untruths that were being, just a little bit of that. What will spoil slowly over time will spoil the whole batch. So, so be careful who you're listening to and following. Only those that, that are teaching accurately the word of God. It's, it, it's easy to get off track and, and, and just a little bit at a time. Boy, if you just take just a, a, a small little bit and you start to get off track and more and more and more over time, you end up way off the mark. Or as my, my daughter, the school teacher, likes to tell her children, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Right? That's what Paul's saying here. Guys, check yourself. Wait, what is it that you're hearing? What, what is it that, that you're believing? One of the things we, we miss uh, now that our children are all grown and and uh, we, we still do some things on, on occasion for vacations and stuff, but let me just say, it's not the same, all right? 
Something, I mean, it, is, it was a lot of fun as we would uh, take a, a, a vacations with our kids, especially when they were younger. We had one vacation, one, probably the, one of the biggest vacations we had when the kids were younger. And I was trying to think back when it was. I think it was like 2004. And I, and I, was, I was thinking about it coming in here this morning. I, I, I think our kids, I, our oldest was maybe 10 or 11, which would be 8 or 9 for Abby, and then five or six for Thomas, and so they were right in that really fun age, grade school, just kind of getting into that, and we planned a trip to Disney World. Okay, now you need to understand, and at the time I was uh, 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 pastoring and, and still kind of working through there, and it was kind of, didn't have a lot of money and, and that, but when, when we planned for this trip, we planned, we literally started planning for this two years in advance. We would, uh, we, we would actually, the great thing, and I, I think they still do it, but the, uh, the great thing with, with those, you could buy those passes and they last forever, right? And, and so, so we would start, we would have a little side fund and we were working with the kids and, and Tina, we'd put, save up some money and then we would go out and you could go to the Disney store, remember when they had those Disney, Disney stores? And you'd go to the Disney store and we would buy one, a five-day hopper pass, and we literally, in the months leading up, would buy one, and then we had, and then we bought two. Okay, you get to go now too. And then we buy three. And, All right, you get to go. I, I sure hope I can get one. And and four and five. And this trip, we even took Grandma with us. So we had six of them, right? And so over that time, not only that, we would, uh, we, we would watch some of the shows that talked, you know, all about Disney, and we would build that up. I, I, uh, I printed up maps of all the different theme parks and the things that we could go to, and we would start mapping out. Sometimes in the evening with the kids, we would just sit around and say, okay, now when we go, we would, and we were planning those things. I'm, okay, a little crazy, but the kids loved it, and hey, I'm telling you, it was fun too. We plan out itineraries, so we'd go to this park in this morning, and this park in this afternoon, and then we'd go to this water park here and there, and then what restaurants are we going to eat in Epcot, and all the things that, that we had, and we would plan this and talk it up and anticipate this trip, and then we flew down to Florida, and we, we stayed on site there, and, 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 and really just had a blast for that trip. But truth be told, we had almost, still more fun being there, but we had almost as much fun building up for that trip as we did there. It was all part of the vacation. It was all part of the experience. As we were eagerly anticipating this trip that was going to be so much fun. And that's really what, what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, look, start getting excited about. Look, you're no longer bound by sin. You're no longer under the bondage of all of the rules and the law. It's not that you shouldn't do those things, but you don't have to do that to get saved because you can't. Just place your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, and now as you live out life and try to, you're trying to please uh, Jesus and to please God in what you're doing because you love him, because you're thankful for what he's doing. Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not stuck under the weight of my sin and condemned by that, but I'm free. I'm declared righteous. So what is it for you that maybe is getting into the way Maybe just 
trying to do these things on your own? What what are the voices that you're hearing in your head that says, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do. And if I don't, God won't accept me. It's false. On the contrary. We have so much to celebrate right now. We have so much to, that, that's going on even in the midst of a broken world, and yet God is on his throne. We, we have so much to, to enjoy and celebrate here and now and even more to look forward for the future. So worship your God this week. It should be easy to get excited about what Jesus has done and who we are in Christ right now, and what is to come in the future. And so passionately worship your God this week. Make it a celebration. Start taking some time and download some maps of what's going to take place. And start opening it up and let's, let's start getting excited at what's going on here and now and get excited about what God has in store for us in the future. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. 